This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Cavalry Audio. Hello, Daddy Issues listeners. Uh, Margo here. And I regret to inform you that we do not have a new rewatch for you this week. I'm so sorry. The week completely got away from me and my sister has been working like crazy and we just were not able to find a moment to dedicate to doing a rewatch. Although we really enjoy doing them. I know that There's like only five people out there who actually enjoy listening to them, (laughs) but we're having a lot of fun doing it um, until Joe and Oliver get back. So we hate to not be able to to bring you a new one. And for those of you who hate the rewatches, then this is a small little gift for you because we didn't do one this week. So there you go. Um, And so we're going to put out a rerun this week, an episode called We Come Together from about a year ago. I think it was from like September 21st, a year ago. So almost exactly a year. And I don't actually totally remember this episode. I listened to a little bit of it today, but I know that the gist was kind of like Joe and Oliver started off fighting a bit. And then, you know, midway through they were like, okay. And they made up and it was like, oh, well, we really came together and then they made a dirty joke about it, obviously, as they are so good at doing. (laughs) So, um, but this is uh, a great episode as they all are. Um, And I just thought it was pertinent because last week we we did the rewatch of the Matthew McConaughey episode where they started off like really fighting, like the worst fight I've ever witnessed between them. And then by the end, they were so sweet saying, I love you, which is such a great aspect of their friendship. But this one is kind of similar. They they start off in a little bit of a tiff and then um, come together as the episode is called. So hopefully if you haven't heard this, you will enjoy listening to it. And if you have heard it, hopefully you'll enjoy listening again. And, um, you know, they will be back soon. They are... We've been talking about when they're going to come back and our and the guests that we have. And um, hopefully everyone is watching The Cleaning Lady on Fox and watching Joe with Troy on Monday nights. Um, obviously, they are very busy, but um, they, they do miss doing the show. And so they will be back soon. Until then, um, hopefully you enjoy this episode. And... I know that me and my sister talked about this last week and the guys talk about it all the time, but as you know, our favorite and most frequent and most loyal, wonderful sponsor is Athletic Greens. And at this point, if you're a loyal listener of the show, you know everything about Athletic Greens because you've heard all of us talk about it so many times, but I can't reiterate enough just from, I think I said this last week, just from a, like a... I hate to say it, but like a regular person standpoint, you know, I'm always looking for ways to be healthier and things that I can add to my daily routine that are easy um, and affordable and actually make a difference. You know, for years I took um, a collagen supplement. I would add it to my coffee. And then recently I've read a bunch of articles that were like, you are just throwing money out the window. And I never really noticed a huge difference from taking that. I just thought it was good for me. So I kept doing it. But I can say that with Athletic Greens, I genuinely notice a difference. I I notice a difference in my energy, in my hair, in my skin, in my sleep, in my digestion. It really, it feels like I'm putting something great into my body and I'm getting a return on it. And I wouldn't say that. I would just we just wouldn't have these ads in here right now, honestly, um, if I didn't actually believe it. But I feel so strongly about it that I, I'm, 
I'm excited to kind of be taking over the ads for Joe and Oliver, which I'm sure Athletic Greens might not love, but um, I, I truly am a loyal, loyal user and lover. Sounds weird, but lover of Athletic Greens. So much so that my sister came over the other day and she was like, I'm out of Athletic Greens. Can I take some of yours? And I was like, nope, no. I need to stock up on this so I have it until the day that I die, which will be a lot further off in the future thanks to Athletic Greens. I truly believe that. Um, so if you haven't tried it, I really, really encourage you to try it, you know, try it for a month. And I, I, you know, let me know if you disagree, but I promise you, you won't. I, I stand by this product more than maybe any other product I've ever used. So... um. Hopefully you guys will will give it a try and go get yourself some athletic greens, get your health on track, reclaim your health, arm your immune system as we go into winter with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. And honestly, I don't even put it in a cup of water. I put it in maybe half a cup, sometimes even like a fourth of a cup. So it's literally just a gulp. You just gulp it down. It could not be easier than that. You know, there's no need for a million different pills and supplements. It's just one little scoop in water. Super, super easy. To make it even easier, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash daddyissues. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash daddyissues to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Um, okay. Enjoy this rerun of We Come Together and happy Thursday. I, hold on. We, I know we're starting, but I feel like my audio is coming out of my computer, oddly enough. It's coming out of your ass. I just don't want the wrath of Josh, like hearing an echo on my thing. Cause I'm not wearing headphones. I know. By the way, Josh, Josh is like sneaky funny. He's really fucking funny. <laughs> I know. He's a character. I know. <laughs> He's thrown us some curveballs here recently. Uh, he has. Like when he got arrested for... It had. They had to have arrested him for minor in possession because he looks like he's 10. <laughs> but he had like a Zima on the beach and he texted us saying... I should have just said I use it as a visual cue, like like my thing, instead of actually drinking it. That's how he could have gotten out of the ticket. But instead, right. he he got busted on the beach with a like Bartles and James. I was just gonna say Bartles and James. You stole that, you bastard! I was waiting to insert Bartles and James. Ah, uh, shit! But I used to. Son of a bitch I used, stole my line. I used to have What's Zima party. What's that from? What's that from? I don't know. It's it's familiar, but I don't know. It's the last line of Goodwill Hunting. Oh yeah. Wow. How do you remember that? I'm gonna go see about a girl. I know that one. Son of a bitch stole my line. Son of a bitch stole my line. It's not your fault. Dude, what are you doing? Get away or get off of me. It's not your fault. <laughs> It's the, okay, bro. It's not your fault. <laughs> it's not my fault. It's not, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. Uh, Abandon my boy. <laughs> All right, sorry. So you used to have Zima parties? Yeah, I had Zima parties back in the day when it first came out. We like got cases of Zima. I think we were underage probably. And, and uh, my friend John had like a back house and we had girls over and they were like, oh my God, Zima. And we like... <laughs> We're fucking Zima freaks. <laughs> what happened to Zima? I don't know. I mean, it's interesting because that seltzer, which essentially it's, that's what it was, now is taking over the fucking world. Everyone's drinking these seltzers now. Do you have a White Claw? Yeah, like a Do White you have Claw. A white Claw or the High Bud Light Noon, Seltzer. Yeah, or Arctic Char or whatever the hell it's called. There's like so many of them now. Now every brand does it. Budweiser has one. Corona has one. You know, it's hot right now, Joe. Yeah, the seltzer market. We should do daddy issue daddy issues seltzer. We should. <laughs> what about yeah. the idea of changing the whole messaging of this podcast and just Yeah. Every, every time I think we should do it, 
we get somebody reaching out to us that uh, sends a text like this. And I'm not going to say the name, but I am going to read the text that Margo shared with us, if I can mm. find it. Did you bother to read it? This guy poured his heart out. I did. I got, I Here got, it is. I got a bit weepy. From a guy named Joe, didn't know how else to reach out to you guys. The episodes lately have been such a huge help in some of my personal battles lately with my family, relationship, personal addictions, and just the overall stresses of life. I know the show is still growing, and I've shared it with countless friends and families and will continue to do so. Please keep doing what you're doing. I just wanted you to both know that these might be some of the realest and most powerful conversations happening right now, and it means so much. Your listeners are truly benefiting from each episode and I look forward to the next one more than the last. Thank you for doing it. Seriously, would love to chat with you guys more if you ever need a random, irrelevant guest. I appreciate you both immensely. I, that makes me feel, on one hand, so great that we're doing mm -hmm. this. On the other, I, I feel like we should be doing more. I don't know that we're mm -hmm. pouring our, our heart and soul into this podcast if it's that important to somebody named Joe. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean as far as the rebranding aspect of it goes. I think whether we whatever we call it, it's going to get in to the same areas. You know what I mean? I think you and I just having discussions can go from the absurd to the real very quickly. You know whether it's called daddy issues or two sensitive men or whatever it is. You know, right? Yeah. But yeah, maybe. But isn't that great, though? I mean, I know we fuck around and we joke about not making any money, which is no joke. We do not make any money. Yeah, right. But when you get these emails and texts and comments that say that, and it just it feels like it's all worth it for some reason, you know? It I does, know. It but I don't good. know what we're talking about that is hitting home with this guy so much over the last couple of episodes. That's what I say. I feel like it's... The last couple of episodes, although people seem to like Troy's episode a lot, I don't know that we're we're doing enough or putting enough thought behind this. We're just kind of getting on and talking, which I think is the the good and the bad of it. What's yeah. bothering me right now is that your legs are all veiny. What what is going on with you? Are why are you, <laughs> are you are you just thinned out or what's happening? I, what why I, do you have veins all over your right here? calves? Yeah, what is that? It's veins. I mean, I'm a vascular person. I and it could be just the lighting. You know? I, I don't know. It's a weird angle right now. I'm sitting sort of crotch to camera vibe. You know, it's right. like, it's all it's all right here. It's like, yeah, I'm having a Sharon Stone moment that I don't want. <laughs> I guess I could do this. It's so <laughs> awful. <laughs> Um, I have been working out though, you know, I have been running, I've dropped a few LLBs or just LBs or is it LLBs? <laughs> there's LL Bean and then That's there's LBs. <laughs> um, no, but I'm just a vascular man. Like when I get my blood drawn, you know, they they, the technician gets very excited. Yeah. I'm the same way with, with that part of my arm being very vascular. I, it always bothered me and it bothered my dad when he was dying in the hospital for seven months when the nurses, male and female, and God bless them. I mean, where would we be if mm -hmm. if all of a sudden that supply chain of people willing to be nurses dried up? I mean, mm -hmm. I just, I'm astounded at their tireless efforts, especially these days uh, with COVID and everything else. But when they would make inanimate objects in a way to kind of make it not as intimidating, uh, animate. Mm -hmm. They would animate them, meaning they would say, you know, oh, let's check on this little guy down here. Oh, this this vein is not really cooperating right now. Let's check <laughs> this guy over here and let's get this. Uh, it, 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 my dad would look at me and he, he had this trach in this tube and couldn't really talk. And he would look at me while they're fumbling around on his arm trying to get an IV in. Oh. And just rolled his eyes, his eyes like, oh fuck, oh, like this God. is just. I, I don't just just save the talk, find the vein, put it in, and leave me alone. And when oh you're when you're at that point in life, it's like I I don't I can't even entertain this right now. I used to pass out taking blood, but now I don't. But mm -hmm. I it, it was there was a point where something happened, and I would just get super lightheaded, and I'd have to lie down. 
because it was just like too intense for me. <laughs> the sight of blood or just no when I when blood. I would take it, just just the sort of idea, you know, that it was they were drawing blood out of me. Or may, yeah, or maybe you just don't have a lot of blood. What do you mean? I've got so, plenty of blood. I don't know. Maybe them taking those. I do you every time I get blood drawn and they're like popping another little canister on that thing and here comes another Ugh. big shoot of blood out. I'm like, do I yeah. have enough for this? Yeah. Is this, am I going to walk out of here like looking like I've just crawled out of a crypt? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. It seems like a lot that they take when it's when they're think, checking for everything. Do you think this is the kind of conversation that Joe was talking about that changes no. his life? <laughs> no, but you and I, you and I almost got into it last night, which uh, we we walked to the edge of having a huge fight, which Margot captured on our texts. Yeah, because yeah, you're out playing golf. Hey, your birthday, my birthday. God love I'm with, you. I'm with my mom and Kurt. Like out okay, on the golf but just court. give me a time. Just give me a time. That's it. Give me a time to do this thing, and Look. and and I'm in. I'm in. I'll I'll adjust to you, but just don't let it hang there so that I can't plan the next day. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. I do. But okay. I, I under normal right. circumstances, I probably would have gotten back to you much sooner. But as you know, when you do play golf, you, your phone sort of goes away. You forget about the shit. You're playing right. with your parents. It's my birthday. I've got who else? Was it just the three of you? Yeah. It was you, Kurt Russell, and Goldie Hawn. What do you think that would go for in an auction? Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, 10 grand, 15 grand, 10, 20 grand? Maybe 10. 10 grand, it if depend, it was the right cause. It depends what venue. Yeah, if it was like a high dollar, everybody's trying to impress the person at the table next to them. Yeah, yes. I would say 10 grand at a minimum to go play golf with Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. Yes. <laughs> and, and Oliver Hudson. But do you I are mean, you a birthday guy? I mean, do you care about your birthday? Not at all. And so when you and I were kind of going back and forth, I'm showing the text chain to Michelle, and she's like, Look, you know Oliver's a sensitive guy. You know he loves his birthday. He's like me. You don't care about your birthday. He cares about his birthday. I don't care about my birthday at all. I don't care. I don't care about my birthday. I, I mean, she's got that one wrong. You know, like my mom and Aaron are the ones that arrange everything. My mom made a tea time. They 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 organized a dinner for me the night before. Like I, I'm not a. It's just another day type of a, a thing. Okay, I'm glad to know that. I thought you were very emotional about these ceremonial dates that no, pop up. No, what the fuck? No, I'm not at, no, not at all. Not at all. You know, I love when my kids make me cards. Like that really makes me happy. And they did yesterday and and they write like sweet things and that that I love, you know. Yeah, well, of course. That's the best part of it when you have kids and Yes. And, yeah, but okay, good. I'm, I thought you were. But I did have a party. I, oh my God, someone called me Lotito Joe. I don't know who the fuck that is. <laughs> a Lotito. <laughs> is that you? That name was in your phone. It says Lotito Joe. I have no idea. I don't think that's in my phone. Sometimes on the phone now, it just, shit just comes up that's not actually in your phone. Oh yeah, it says might be. Yes, Lotito yeah. Jones. Yeah, Lotito Joe. I don't know. Otito Joe. Yeah. Sorry. Maybe um, that's Joe that wrote us the nice text. Oh, maybe. Maybe he got my number. <laughs> He's like, hey, guys, get to it. This sucks. <laughs> He's in real time <laughs> listening, Captain. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, no, I had a party, which was really nice, actually. You know, and I'm so thankful that Aaron and mom organized it at my mom's house. And she got a bartender and we got some food. And there was like 20, 25 people there. And... um it was great because it's not very often that you get together with your good friends anymore. You know, it, it, life is just nutty. Uh, pandemic aside, just busy kids, your own shit that you, you're dealing with. It's hard for everyone to get together into the, in, at the same place. Absolutely. And, so you had 25. Were you in L.A.? Or yeah. Were you, oh, so you played golf in L.A. I thought you were in the desert. No, no, I was in L.A. Okay. I was in LA. I was going to say, how could you get 25 people to the desert no, to we celebrate just did a your birthday? We just did a birthday dinner, and then I played golf the next day. Where but do you play was, golf when your mom and Aaron arrange it? Where'd you play? Mountain Gate. We just played up at Mountain Gate. It was okay. 
it was all right. You know, greens are all right, but I don't know, man. That course is. Don't say it. You got to walk in there with your head held high. That's true. You don't want to say something on here, and maybe somebody. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I. Well, that's good. That's good to know. I'm glad that I wasn't ruining your birthday by walking up to the edge of a fight and then ducking back. No, I, I, I got the text. I knew that you were on edge. I, I know you so well now. It's crazy. I can feel you through the phone. And I had a decision to make, you know. And I was like, all right, let me use some humor and, you know, some sarcasm to sort of try to diffuse this a little bit. <laughs> but I was holding, I was holding back because I was like, I wanted to be like, dude, fucking Joe, man. <laughs> Don't get me started. But I was like, all right, no, no, no. I know he's busy. He's got shit to do. And I, when you get fiery, there's just no stopping you. It's like a runaway train. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back after this short break with more from Oliver and me. I had to walk out of the room separate issue last night. I don't know. I just, I did a speech yesterday afternoon. I've got these two games coming up this week and, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Uh, but the kids were acting crazy. Blake wouldn't go to sleep and it's one of those. And, and he's already calling us on our bullshit. Like I, like Blake, you know, Michelle's like, now you need to make, you need to make a smart choice here. You need to make a wise decision. You need to make a smart choice. And it's the same stuff. I'm like, Blake, get in bed. Yeah. And she's like, Joe, Joe, that we don't need that. I'm like, well, I, th he's not doing anything. And, yeah. then, and then I'm like, Blake, get in bed. He looks at me and goes, no. And, and I don't know what to do. Yeah. I, there's nothing I can do. I can't call him on anything. I'm not going to, you know, hit him. I'm not going to spank him. Yeah. So, okay. What do I have? Nothing. I, and it's nighttime. It's not like I can go, Oh, you're playing with that toy. Give that to me. Yeah. He's just walking around. He's like, no. Okay. So mm -hmm. I had to walk downstairs, go in the basement and do some work just to uh, not lose my mind. Yeah. It was just one of those days. I, I just felt like everybody's picking me clean here. Yeah. And I, it started, the day started with an hour with my therapist. And I talked about things that got to my career and everything else and the Jeopardy thing. And the I hadn't talked to her in, a, in four weeks. And uh, I, I, it set me in a mood that was not beneficial to a peaceful day well that's so funny I, because you would think that you go to therapy and you walk out feeling a little bit lighter but i just was tired i, yeah. I think it was more just being i do feel lighter and i do i do as i'm sure you do when you walk out of a therapy session you just the birds chirp nicer the breeze in your car windows feels better mm -hmm. everything's lighter there's no doubt i just it just wore me down and then i had to go speak in front of 500 people in downtown st louis and i was just tired. Yeah. It's like, ugh. Yeah. And it's for a great cause and one I truly believe in. And and it wasn't that. It was just, I just was tired. Yeah. Well, therapy, by the way, can be exhausting because you're dealing with shit. And then, you know, on top of it, it's sometimes, most of the time, it's, you know, the birds chirp a little louder, but sometimes it sets you into a bit of a funk where you're like, oh, man. You know, because you have the good session and then a bad session. But the thing with, with, the, with the boys, it's such a great, topic because again you're right you know i don't spank you know you're not gonna hit your kids so once they get defiant like that shit you know what do you do i mean there obviously are things to do but sometimes the walk away is the best when you're just feeling too angry but at the same time with michelle you know it's like they're still little they're trying to reason with these little beings is just futile it's just not gonna work their brains aren't developed yet to understand that, meaning you need to make a good choice. They're like, what? <laughs> we have made uh, an appointment, had a conversation with a sleep specialist for the boys because, and this is where Joe, the aforementioned Joe, actually just erases the podcast uh, <laughs> from his library and never comes back. But we have met with a sleep specialist because in our new house, which is where we are now, our bedroom is on the first floor. The boys' bedroom is on the second floor. 
There's a guest bedroom by the boys' bedroom. So this has continued. I'm sure we've talked about this on the podcast. I've talked about it with everybody I've ever met, including mm-hmm. the like the mailman. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have not slept in the same bed, Michelle and me, since we got in this house. Because one night I'll sleep in our bed downstairs and she'll sleep in the guest room because it's right by the boys. And then we flip it the next night. And invariably, Blake... Uh, we'll get up at three o'clock in the morning, sometimes howling and cry and walk in the guest room and get in bed with one of us, or he just will walk in and just get in bed. But uh, only one time since we've been in this house has he slept in his bed the entire night. So now we have a script from the sleep specialist, how we're going to talk about this. We now have a lock on the outside of their door. And how many times are we going to go through this, this dance every night? And it's, it's like you just said. I mean, these are three-year-old boys. And yeah. at some point, Blake's going to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning. And I just don't feel like parenting at 4 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I'll just be like, just get in bed. Yeah. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Get in my bed. I want to go to sleep. Yeah. I, You know? Oh, So God. it's going to be, this is going to be hell trying to get these guys to buy into this program that they don't, they're not smart enough to understand. How does it work? I mean, is there certain techniques that you've been given and then that lock on the outside of the door like you're actually supposed to kind of lock them in their room well you give them one chance yeah walk them back in you have a meeting <laughs> you have a chart <laughs> you have we don't we don't assign a, rewards for doing it that's bad somehow so right. yeah you got to do it in the new age way of thinking <laughs> so it's not like hey uh you slept in your bed all night here's a fucking gallon of ice cream yeah. for breakfast i don't give a shit i got a full night's sleep that's so the best way to you. do it i know well that doesn't fly in 2021 <laughs> and it's smart choices and blah 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 and so this is just going to be the end of Michelle and me. It's it's over. I we're going to just fight <laughs> relentlessly because I just I don't have the patience to put up. With so any wait a of this minute. Shit. Wait. Okay. Where is because is she more all in than you are? Is that where the she's friction all in comes? on the script? Okay. She's all in on the script, and I, I at some point the script gets torched, and yeah, it's go to sleep. Yeah, I don't give a shit. Right. Go to sleep there. Go sleep on the roof. Go sleep in my car. Yeah. Go sleep. I don't care where you go sleep. <laughs> Just go to sleep. Yes. You know? Yeah. Oh, dude, I know it so well. It's so funny. I, I, it's so true. At four in the morning, you said it perfectly. You, you, you don't want to be a fucking parent at three in the morning, four in the morning. No. Like Being a parent is over. Like, now we're in survival mode. Okay? Yes. Yes. <laughs> totally. I'm like, so we're going to follow the script. So are we going to have cue cards for the script? It's going to be like SNL at night where somebody's holding a cue card up behind Blake's head. And I'm like, ah, okay, Blake, you have made an unwise decision. Let's review. And now let's walk back into bed. No, I don't want to. No. Well, you've done it again. So therefore, now we're going to lock you in your room and you're going to go bananas Ugh. and i'm gonna have to listen to this at four o'clock in the morning while you howl throw yourself around the room and sleep on the carpet okay this sounds great oh my this God. sounds awesome have you tried that like have you stuck to it and committed to the door lock we haven't we've kicked that can down it was like okay we're gonna start it monday yeah well now it's you and i are talking on a wednesday yeah well we haven't started it yet okay we're gonna start it we're going to start it with the nanny when she's here and Michelle and I have to go to work this weekend. So the nanny, it, it's a little less emotional with not mommy or daddy. So maybe she can get the groundwork laid for this thing, mm-hmm. which maybe that's great. Maybe that goes up in smoke when mom and dad come home on Sunday night. I, I Sunday night, I don't know. So we have not started it yet. Oh, my God. Oh, I mean, it's crazy. It's just, you're in that shit right now, you know? I mean, it's just, it's the worst age. It's the best age, and that part of it is the worst age. I, I'm going to trump uh, Charles Dickens. <laughs> the best of times, the worst of times. It was the age of fucking sleep training. It was the, it was the age of going to preschool. Are they was, both? Yeah. Are they both in this zone? Just Blake. 
Blake is the needy. I want to cuddle. Yeah. I want to lay on you. I want to get in bed. And when he gets in your bed, it's the best because he like wants to touch your leg with his leg, yeah. and then he can go to sleep. Ah. So we're gonna we're gonna extract that from his personality. <laughs> You're gonna harden his ass. <laughs> right. <laughs> come, Blake. Come snuggle. No. Well, I don't want to. Give me another cigarette. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> don't go anywhere. We'll be back after this short break with more Daddy Issues. You know, there's so many different ways to do it, you know, especially in L.A. where it's this sort of co-parenting or sorry, this attachment parenting where you feed on demand, you know, and you sleep with your kid, you co-sleep with your kid. There's a thousand different ways to do it. We didn't do it that way. But at some point, this is what I always say, they're going to be sleeping in their own bed. At some point, they're not going to have a pacifier. At some point, they are going to learn how to read and write and do math, you know? But we're... <laughs> right. we're it's just the timing of it is we, we all want it to ha- we want it to happen so fast or in this perfect amount of time. It's like, fuck it. He sleeps in your bed. He's not going to be 16 sleeping in your bed. You know, no. eventually he will move into his well, I'll be bed. dead by then. I mean, he's three. So <laughs> <laughs> when he- that's 13 years from now, I'll be 65. Maybe I won't be dead, but I'll no. Be- so when he's 20, when he's 21. Yeah, I'll be 70. That's 18 years? 18 years from now? Yeah, I'll be 70. Yeah. All right. You still got it. At 70? Yeah. That's why I've I've just I went through a whole battery of tests for my heart. I'm I'm wearing a halter monitor, mm-hmm. not at this moment, because I'm between putting it applying it, but I like I've got to stay around for these kids. Like I'm I'm trying to get in the best shape of my life. Um Wearing the halter monitor, like that worries me. What's I don't a, want to leave these kids. Yeah. Halter monitor. I've never Is talked thing to you to about monitor, that before. Monitors your heart all day yeah. when you sleep, and and I have a, I have an issue where a lot of times my heart will skip beats, mm. and I think I'm, and it'll do it sometimes for an extended period of time. I'm like, good night, everybody. It's been fun. <laughs> uh, and uh, what does it feel? What does that feel that. like? It's like a you know like your your heart is like does that make sense yeah like it, it it goes and it, it it just rolls instead of going instead of going dun 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 yeah it just it rolls Ooh. and you can feel it in your throat and and i'm but i've had that since i was a little kid i told my mom that when i was like five like i my heart feels weird and mm. my mom who is the biggest hypochondriac and still is to this day it's like, we're going to the heart doctor. So I was like a five-year-old kid wearing a halter monitor mm. around, which back then was like wearing a <laughs> reel-to-reel tape recorder around my neck. <laughs> and now now it's it's just an electronic patch that goes on your chest <laughs> that goes to a cell phone. Back then, it was like the Fred Flintstone pterodactyl banging out on Oh, on, yeah. They had slate. to actually take audio film and cut it to like hear your heart <laughs> right go into the gr- dark room right and, uh, well yeah, that's no. a, that's an interesting topic that we haven't even really discussed is sort of being an older father and whether that give whether that is makes you fearful in any way and obviously completely yeah i hate it i hate that part of it because you know, I my my dad was an older dad, and I know what that's like. And I re- I remember playing catch with him on the beach in Florida during spring training, and people coming up to him and saying, "Oh, that's so sweet, you're playing catch with your grandson." And he'd look at him like, "Fuck you, that's my kid," you know. And, <laughs> yeah. And now I'm in the same boat. My life is completely paralleled my father's life, almost to weird levels. Wow. Where at the same time, basically, we were in a divorce and, uh, you know, kids at an older age, but I got in, I got into my early thirties, I guess I was 33, just turned 33 when he died, which I was ready to be, you know, to handle that Mm -hmm. because he and I were so close. Um, but 
you know, I, I think about it all the time. Math is not my friend. I, I feel like, okay, so they're going to be, I'm going to be 70 and they're 71 and they're going to be getting out of college. That That's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, that unless I get hit by a bus tonight, I, which you, you know, what's the line? You'd start, you get busy making plans and life oh, intercedes. Right, so who right. knows? <laughs> that's a good paraphrase. Uh, yeah. Yeah, life is life happens when you're busy making other plans or something like that. That's Lennon. That's, That's Lennon. beautiful boy. Yeah. yeah, it's Lennon. Beautiful, be- I love that song. Beautiful, that song made me cry when those bo- when the boys were born. Boy. Yeah, that's a great song. It's a great song. Um, but yeah, I think about that all the time. So I'm trying to do everything I can, including work wise, which is what I ended up talking to my therapist about. Like, how much do I want to continue doing? what I'm doing at the pace that I'm doing it. I, 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 the answer is I don't. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know what the next move is, but you know, you think about Jeopardy and doing that and it coming off well and the ratings were up, which I haven't seen that article written anywhere, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> except for, you know, I haven't seen it in my hometown newspaper. Right. <laughs> but, but that's not it. So it's, I, I don't know what the next move is, but it's not doing this for the rest of my life. I know, I know that. I know, I know. And then you stay healthy, though. I mean, do you eat right and work out, and you're mindful of sort of your body? And yeah, yeah, I I I, I eat as well as I can, realistically. Um, probably drink too much, uh, and I'm I work out a lot, and I'm trying like hell to stay fit and making sure that the systems are in working order until I get hit by that bus. <laughs> With your you and Troy's face, <laughs> look at him all over the front of the bus. Yeah, but boy, right. what a what a healthy heart he had. No, exactly, and I'm sure the billboard will be the Fox billboard of you and Troy will be on the side of the bus. <laughs> right, <laughs> and hopefully my boss isn't driving it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was my dad's old joke, which is kind of an offshoot of this. I may have said this on this podcast before, but he's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die in the booth." Mm. Like dad, he's like, no, I'm going to die in the booth and two guys are going to be walking in downtown St. Louis and one's going to turn to the other and say, hey, did you hear uh, Buck died in the booth last night during the Cardinal game? And the other guy will say, oh, wow, that's too bad. Did the Cardinals win? Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> yeah. life just moves on. So that's 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 how it goes. And and if if I tap out at Fox or anywhere else, Life moves on. Sports move on. Are you afraid of death? Um, there, when I when I was younger, I was more afraid of death. I don't really think about it that much anymore. But mm-hmm. I was I was pretty obsessed with it when I was in my twenties, and I, I don't know why. Maybe because I was a young dad, and I felt like I had so much to do and so much to set up, and I didn't want to be taken from that. But I, I don't obsess on it. Are you scared of death? Um. I'm, I'm, I'd say I'm a little fearful, you know, I think, I think at the end of the day, just when you do have fears or anxieties, you know, I mean, it's the unknown. So death is the unknown, you know, I, I, I fear it not necessarily for myself. I mean, I do, but just to, like you said, for my kids, you know, for the people around me, I just feel like I need to be here. You know, so that that makes me nervous, I guess. But I don't walk around fearing death every day, you know? Um, yeah. But I'm not totally comfortable with it. I'm not just like, oh, yeah, we all live and we all die. And that's just the way it is. You know, I'd love to get to that point. I think that if you can truly feel that way, you know, you have experienced the ultimate freedom in life. when you are When you have no thoughts or no issues or no anxiety around death, and it's just part of life. It's must got to be so freeing, you know. I just don't. I don't. I don't know how anybody, even the most zealous religious person, can can totally feel that way. Mm-hmm. If if you were to hook them up to a lie detector, and I say that only because, and maybe so, I could be dead wrong. But I, I think of my mom who is as religious a person as, as anybody I've ever met in my life. And, you know, here she is at 83, and I think it scares her, the idea of not being here and what's next. And where, you know, I, I think in her mind and in her heart, she she believes where she's going to go 
But at the same time, I, I think that that leap is frightening. It has to be. That's just part of mortality and being a human being walking this planet. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody that can go, oh, I'm not scared of death and be completely honest with mm-hmm. you. Unless you don't give a shit about yourself. And Right. I don't know. Well, that's, that's religion. You know, it's, you know, that's a whole other conversation, a whole other podcast. But, you know, as far as death goes, it's that belief in something bigger. You know, it's just comforting. It's faith at the end of the day. It's not even about religion. It is couched in whatever religion you have faith in. But at the end of the day, it's just faith. And faith that when I die, I will be taken care of. There is something else. It is beautiful and even beyond anything we could experience on this earth. And when there's a tragedy in your life and you are religious and that faith will take you through it because you're believing in something bigger, even if it's not real, even if it doesn't fucking exist, which there is no proof that it exists, but that is comforting to us, you know? Yeah. I mean, well, uh, theologians and religious people will, would completely disagree with the idea that there's no proof that, you know, there are there are markers and there are there's enough proof to believe that that exists. I, I just think there's so much unknown, no matter what you believe in. If you believe in the Big Bang Theory or you're just a fan of the show The Big Bang Theory <laughs> or if you're just extremely religious, there's just too much unknown. Like, where did everything start? How did it start? Where did it come from? The Big Bang Theory. Okay, well, what was there before the yeah. Big Bang Theory? And where did that start? And how did it just, there's too much beyond our comprehension. So that that is, I think, the saving grace in my mind. Like, there's that stuff we don't even understand, whether you're in one camp or the other. Yeah. So, but there is no, but like there, there is has no, to be more. But there's no proof. What are you saying? There's proof. There's no proof that God exists. There's no proof that we know where we go after. Well, we die. I think the most religious person will say, "Look in the face of Wilder and tell me that God doesn't exist." Look in the look in the. But that's that that that's that's just that's not that that you're talking. I about. understand that's not empirical evidence. Of, of the existence of that, but there's a beauty and an order and a way about this world that people will say it in the Bible and it was how it was written and that it's still relevant today. And I mean, I'm I, this is the last thing I want to get into with you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I, I was, I, I'm just saying that, that still isn't proof. That's, that's, you know, that's QAnon. I mean, it's the same thing. It's like, oh, well, this is what's happening. <laughs> That's insanity. No. No. Why? It's just Why? There's no proof. There's just if you believe it enough, then there's proof to you. But there's it, no yeah, it's Okay. Not, That's fair. That's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. If you believe it enough and you believe in in the word of God and the Bible or the Quran or whatever, I then you believe it to be true. That's it. And and Everybody's free to believe what they believe. We don't have to get. We don't have to get into this. This is a touchy subject with you, and it's okay. We'll we'll uh, we'll deal with this later. <laughs> <laughs> it's not touchy. I just it's not touchy with me personally, and and I know exactly what you're saying. I just I feel like when you get into this in today's world, it's such. And some people are like all in. They want to hear this. Some people, yeah. it's just an immediate turnoff, and and it's they just don't want to. Think about it, hear about it, be challenged to be whatever. And I and I respect that. So I'm I'm good with not talking about religion or politics. We don't talk politics on this no. show. No. And I, I think for good reason. We're all inundated with that all day, every day. Yeah. So give it give people a break. Oh, I know. If you're enjoying this episode of Daddy Issues, don't keep it to yourself. Please share the love and tell a friend about Daddy Issues and go subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We beg you. That's right. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss what's coming up right after the break. Well, then let's talk football. Well, I'll just tell you what I'm doing this weekend. So I leave uh, tomorrow, Thursday, the day this drops, and 
fly to New York and I'll be in New York for the 20th anniversary. Hard to believe it's been 20 years of 9-11 and the Yankees are playing the Mets. Uh, so I do that baseball game on Saturday night and then I fly Saturday night after the game to Jacksonville to watch the displaced New Orleans Saints mm. after Hurricane Ida play the Green Bay Packers in a neutral site for our first football game and then fly back home on wow. Sunday night. So it's a lot. And it, wow. it, it, th- th- this is worth talking about because I've talked about it actually in other podcasts. People have had me as a guest talking about my dad's speech that he read at Bush Stadium six days after 9-11 mm. when baseball started back up. And the question was then, was it the right thing to do? Was it the right, was it disrespectful? Was it to the people who lost their lives in 9-11 to start back up in something that seems to be so trivial as baseball and sports? And I think there was a valid argument for that. And then the other side of the argument and the other side of the coin was, well, we got to get back to life at some point here as as awful and as tragic and as scary as, as that day was. Uh, we we do have to show that life here is not going to be stopped. And mm-hmm. so he read this poem down on the field. He had written it. It was it was it was a year before he died, um, almost you know almost a full year before he passed away. And you have to realize that my dad was a depression era kid, had zero, worked his ass off, went. Uh, was drafted, went to World War II, was uh, shot in Germany, was in a hospital in Paris when the war ended, came back, and at that time, the government was paying for GIs, for the GI Bill, for people who had served to go to college at their state college. So he went to Ohio State, got that higher education, and then started his broadcast career and, and built his name in St. Louis, built his name in baseball and football, was in two halls of fame, and had this great, uh, had this great platform to do good, and had the tr- public trust. And he went down on the field and read this poem uh, that he had written during that six-day gap between 9/11 and the restart of baseball. And he was—he had terrible Parkinson's. I mean, he was—he was really weakened. He had diabetes. He had so many things going on. And I saw him in the booth up at the press box before he went down there, and I said, Dad you're going to cry. And and with the shaking, and it may have the opposite effect of mm-hmm. what you hope it'll have. I, I don't think you should do it. And he said, I'm not going to cry. And I said, Dad, because he cried at everything. Mm-hmm. I said, Dad, you're going to cry. And he put his finger in my face and he said, I will not cry. I'll bet you $100 I don't cry. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, you're on. So then he went downstairs, went onto the field, read this poem, uh, and and actually said something before the poem that was even more poignant to me. We're, we're in this packed house at Bush Stadium, and he said, I think by now the answer to the question, should we be here, has been answered. And the answer is yes, and the crowd went crazy. Mm-hmm. And it was, Because before that, it was like it was really eerie being in a big stadium again and, and wondering if it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Then he reads the poem, and between the two of us, the only one that's crying is me mm-hmm. up in the booth. I'm about to do the game on TV. He plowed through it like a champ, and he came back up on the elevator, which they held for him back up. And instead of going in and sitting down and doing the game on radio, he came right into my booth where I was doing TV, and he stuck his hand out for the hundred dollars that we bet, <laughs> and I just smacked his hand and said, "Gave him a thumbs up." And he just shook his head, went in, and did the game on radio. So it, it was, it was. I think of all the things that he did and experienced and and had in life, it it came to that moment uh, at Bush Stadium on the seventeenth of September in two thousand one. I, I think everything he had done up to that point fed into that moment. Wow, that's a great story. I don't know, I don't know about you, but as for me, the question has already been answered. Should we be here? Yes. Should we show others how to demonstrate our resolve? Yes, and we shall do it here 
this evening. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to baseball. Welcome back to Bush Stadium. To all of the fans tuning in around the country, welcome to St. Louis. The Cardinals and the Milwaukee Brewers and all of baseball welcome you back to Bush Stadium and this special evening in memory of those who lost their lives in New York, Washington, and Pennsylvania. And in honor of the heroic rescue workers and the pride that we have in our country, which we shall show you here this evening. I would like to read a poem which I have written for this occasion, after which there will be a special 21-gun fireworks salute. Since this nation was founded under God more than 200 years ago, we have been the bastion of freedom, the light that keeps the free world aglow. We do not covet the possessions of others. We are blessed with the bounty we share. We have rushed to help other nations, anything, anytime, anywhere. War is just not our nature. We won't start, but we will end the fight. If we are involved, we shall be resolved to protect what we know is right. We have been challenged by a cowardly foe who strikes and then hides from our view. With one voice we say, we have no choice today. There is only one thing to do. Everyone is saying the same thing and praying that we end these senseless moments we are living. As our fathers did before, we shall win this unwanted war and our children will enjoy the future we'll be giving. And it was the same night, so then the Mets are playing, the Braves. My broadcast partner, John Smoltz, is playing for the Braves, wasn't pitching. And Mike Piazza of the Mets hits a game-winning home run in the bottom of the eighth. And, and it was like New York celebrating. And then, and then it was a, another powerful moment. Mets won that game. And, and to see these sports teams, you know, provide – a bit of a distraction and and in many cases the giants and the yankees and the mets went and they were there at ground zero and they were there at the battery with mm -hmm. families trying to find loved ones that had been lost and it, it was it's hard i would think it would be hard for people to understand people of a certain age that weren't old enough at the time or even born at the time to think back and this is 20 years ago and I can't speak for you, but for me, to remember how vulnerable we felt in our own country mm -hmm. and how, how vulnerable for uh, an amount of time being in a large gathering mm -hmm. felt. And that's why it was weird being back in a stadium and doing the World Series that year, which I did in the Bronx in New York, mm. uh, was just, I mean, it was a great World Series but it was a powerful time for this country. And here we are 20 years later, more divided than maybe we've ever been. I know. It's kind How of about that? Huh? I know. It was, 
It's true. It's a good point. We're more divided than we've ever been, it feels. And 20 years ago, we'd never been more cohesive. It was No, I mean, President Bush walks out in, in the middle of the diamond before game yeah. three, and it was it was so hard even to get in the stadium. And I was nervous. I had ricin, or I, I had uh, Cipro in my bag because there were like ricin concerns. Mm-hmm. There was all this weird upheaval going on. And you don't know what it's going to be like at Yankee Stadium. You think, oh my God, this is going to be the biggest target in the world. It's it's the World Series, and it's in the it's in New York, and the Yankees, and the symbol of mm-hmm. America. And he walks out and delivers one of the most powerful pitches and moments mm-hmm. I've ever seen. Where mm-hmm. it's wearing the the bulletproof vest. Mm-hmm under a jacket and he stands on the rubber mm-hmm. and throws a strike yeah. and and politics was not even in the equation. Yep. It could have didn't matter that he was Republican, he was just the president and this was a moment for the country and it it, it might be the last time. Yeah. We've had one of those moments in this country where I it's know. like you know what that was that was chilling and and maybe you didn't like him as president but it just it meant something. Yeah. Yeah, and that's gone. I remember you know? that. Yep. Well, what about? So you you you're not gonna you know wax poetic in, no. during the game. I mean, you, you you we'll have moments. We'll have moments that built in extended breaks where we'll have an extra fifteen seconds coming back to roll in a memory or probably play that Piazza home run. Probably play my dad little snippet of my dad's speech. Probably you know. See, we're going to talk to Joe Torre mm-hmm. in the booth. Um, have you been writing? I mean, do you have to write stuff for this for you? I mean, you know, you're so off the cuff, right? And that's why you're as great as you are. Even in our friendship, you're quick-witted, you're funny as shit, your brain moves fast. With something like this, with this importance, do you have to write? Do you have to think of what you're going to say beforehand? Yeah, I'll, I'll have a couple phrases. Um, something that, I can go to if I'm stuck, but I would rather just feel it and say it. Mm-hmm. But but it this is a weird time in our country to just feel and say stuff I off know. the cuff. I know. I know. I, am I going to talk about us being more divided than we've ever been? No, no. that's not my place to do no. on on a Yankees Mets game. At the <laughs> at the end of the day, we're doing a game, and it's yeah. the 20th anniversary of a horrible day but it's still a game that matters to both teams and you're doing the game, but there's time in there. If we're going to talk to Joe Torrey and I forget who else I read the email today, somebody else is coming in the booth. Maybe it might be Piazza, I think, mm-hmm. uh, and talk to them about what it was like. And somebody said this to me the other day, and I think this is true. Nine 11 is different for a New Yorker. Nine 11 mm-hmm. is different for somebody who was around the Pentagon at on that day. Mm-hmm. 9-11 is different, obviously, if you were directly affected by it and lost someone. But if you were in New York, it was an attack on that city. There, There's just, it's a different feel than it is for me who went to go pick my daughter up, Natalie, at her school because everything shut down. We were all huddled and scared and glued to the TVs. But if you were in New York and you were there and you could see it, uh, it it's just a different it's it's a different remembrance. Yeah, I wasn't even in the country. I was in Vancouver. It was my first day of work on my first television show that I'd ever done. And I wow. was in the got in the car early to drive to the studio and on the radio. I heard it on the radio. It was crazy. So that and, I, and because because it had it had developed from Oh my God! A plane just flew into the yeah. one tower. Somebody, a pilot, made a horrible error. To it happened again. There's no error. This is an attack. Yeah, and it's, so the the mood, the the feel of it is like, oh my God, what's next? And then flights are grounded. Then the flight goes down in Pennsylvania, and they're they may be trying to hit the White House, and they hit the Pentagon, and I mean, it just wow. Mm. Wow. What a day, man. And it's it's funny because when you when we were inundated with it, when we were watching t- television, watching the news, these images were replayed over and over and over again. So there was you become desensitized during that time, meaning you see them so much. But <clears throat> when you take a break from it, 
you know, and then you don't see them anymore. And these anniversaries come up and then you get to see it again. It's unbelievable. Just unbelievable. You know, it, it just takes you back. And that day was so crazy and just so unreal and scary. And everyone was panicking. My mom calling, get out, die. And no one knew what was happening. Yeah. It was, uh, it was nuts. It was it, nuts. And there's so many things to talk about, and, and we can wrap this up here. But I, I, I think with regard to that day, I, I saw something on CBS News this past weekend that was just a great, exhaustive, in a good way, piece on the different sides of that day. And the reporter was interviewing somebody in the military, and he said there's a, a gallows humor joke that goes around the military and those who went to Afghanistan right after a knock-knock joke. Knock-knock, who's there? 9-11, 9-11 who? Oh, I thought you said you'd never forget. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's strong because it, it was just so in the front of your mind. And now here we are 20 years later, talked about all the divisions and the way we, we are now interacting um, at least publicly on television and the fighting and everything else, the infighting that goes on in this country every day that becomes just mind-numbing. And and then you think of, our, our ki- they went to the point of talking about our kids being taught about 9-11. Do kids that are 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, that, you know, you'd have to be over 20 to have even been alive are they even aware of what happened? Mm-hmm. And is it taught in school and what the history of that is and what that day was like? And then she went on, the reporter talked to the photographer who just was clicking pictures of people jumping out of the tower mm. instead of burning to death. Mm-hmm. They just jumped to their death. Yeah. And the picture of a person just completely inverted yep. going down in perfect focus with yep. the World Trade Center tower behind him. I mean, this these are this happened in our country, and and it's you wonder if people really even get it. Yeah, you know, no. of a certain age. Well, it's just perspective. You know, it's also just with all the infighting, with all of it going on. You know, to try to gain some perspective. Yep. But well, uh, I see Wilder's in there. Do you have to go to school? <sighs> no, he's supposed to go to school. But you got to get tested every week, right? Every weekend, you got to get tested to then provide to the school to show that you have been tested. And it was Labor Day and my birthday and blah, blah, blah. We just totally fucking spaced it. Bing forgot too. He did? Yeah. Lots of people. Lots of people forgot apparently. So, you know, you show up to school and they're like, you need the vaccination or you need the test results. And so all three kids are home. What? Do I need to build a desk? Because I'm gonna clean my room and then start building. Yeah, uh, open the box. Get a get get a, get a box cutter. You need a wrench. Over the open the box. You need a blowtorch. <laughs> they probably have tools provided. Otherwise, on the instructions, it will tell you. Here's what you need to assemble. All right. Look at you, multitasking. <laughs> look at that face. Tell me God doesn't exist. Look I at know. that face. Look at that. Look at that hair. And tell me God He's doesn't exist. He's got good exist. hair. He's got good hair. He's got good hair. Um, uh, all right. Well, this was a podcast that was pulled out of the nosedive about ten minutes in. I know. No, we're always good, man. We always pull out. Well, yeah, it it comes together. I mean, we have we have seven kids between us, so maybe not. Uh, you said it always. I said it always. We always pull it out, and then you said it comes together. Yeah, you, look at that. See what we did there wow. unintentionally. That was amazing. And I said we have seven kids between us, so clearly Jeez. that's not always the case. Yeah, God, we don't. We're, we're funny when we we don't even try. You know what I mean, Joe? No. <laughs> You're um, a poet. And you didn't even weren't know even it. aware of it. You weren't even aware. You weren't even of aware. It. Of you weren't even cognizant. A, you weren't even aware of being a poet. Uh, okay. Well, last thing I want to say. Yeah. You have to watch on Netflix, Untold, 
breaking point about Marty Fish, our friend. Okay. We have to get Marty Fish on this podcast. I'm sure he is now is that inundated. The, is that the newest this thing one? Started, it's the newest one. I didn't even know that series existed. So wait, before you and, go on. And he's a good friend. It is so friggin' good. It's one of the best documentaries I've seen. Okay, so the, the, these are my my cousins who um, who produced this battered bastards of baseball. Um, you know, uh, wild wild country, which they won Emmys for, and this is their new series. This is yeah. These are a little shorter. These is, are these yeah, are like an hour. one hour. It's Chap and Mac, and then Brocker does the music. Yeah, they're sick. They're amazing. I've seen two of them. I, I want to see the hockey one and then, of course, the Marty one. But I saw, um, you know, the Palace, the Ron Artest one, which is before yeah, that. Yeah, so that's the one above. I haven't seen any of them, so yeah. that's the one above it. I clicked on that, and then I was trying to find it. It's not really well. Ooh, good. I'm going to watch it tonight. Well laid out. I'm telling you, man, I I, it, I couldn't go to sleep. Yeah. And, and this, mainly because he's a dear friend of both of yeah. ours i had no idea and and everything he has dealt with is shocking wow and, and how it made him well i'm not even gonna say yeah Just no watch i'm it. gonna watch it tonight well i fly into albuquerque and i gotta do my fantasy football draft and then i'm gonna watch it you gotta learn your lines yeah i gotta learn my lines too <laughs> i gotta learn my lines right put the gun down <clears throat> Freeze, FBI. <laughs> Put the gun. Check every outhouse, every hen house, every whore house, every crack house, every... Tommy Lee. Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. All right, you have a nice uh, trip to Albuquerque and make us all proud. Okay? I will, Joe. Thank you. All right, love you, pal. I'm so glad we had this time together. Me too. Bye. Listen to Daddy Issues on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Daddy Issues is a production of Cavalry Audio, produced by Margot Carmichael. Sound engineering and editing by Josh Windish. Executive produced by Joe Bach, Oliver Hudson, Dana Brunetti, and Keegan Rosenberger. 